Could we clap our hands one more time and give a shout of praise right now? Come on, don't just clap your hands, but shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We're a victorious people. God is on our side. Oh, we ought to shout with a voice of triumph. Oh, we're still on the winning side. We're still on the victorious side. We're still the people of God. We're still on our way to heaven. We still got the name of Jesus branded on our lives. Oh, we ought to rejoice. Amen. Thankful to know the Lord tonight. Not just know about Him, but to know Him. I'm thankful. Man, I tell you, we could just we could just let loose when nobody preached tonight. And, mm, I'm not going to do that though. We've got a got a man of God that's coming tonight. Brother Wendell is my friend. I have confidence in him. I believe in him. I know he's got a call from God on his life. You know what? Let's be open to receive the word of the Lord tonight. I believe that. I know he's prayed and fasted and studied and prepared and God's given him a word. So be open. Never say that this is for someone else and not me. I pray God speak to me through your word tonight. Amen. Let's make him welcome as he comes. Praise the Lord, everybody. Man, God is good to us, isn't he? Before I get started, I want to, I know pastor's not here, but I want to thank him for the opportunity to be here tonight and to preach. When a pastor asks me to get behind his pulpit, I don't take it lightly. Especially with the kind of services that we've been having here recently at Restoration. Uh, for y'all who haven't been here recently, God's been filling people with the Holy Ghost and, and there's been baptisms. And people getting rebaptized, just multiple baptisms and people filled with the Holy Ghost. And so when, when, when Pastor asked me last week to take this service, I started to pray. I said, God, I said, what message do I preach? Because I had several laid out. And I said, God, this is my church family. I said, I, I, want, I want to preach this one over here. I said, I want to preach this message. And God said, no, you're going to preach that one. So I said, okay, God, well, maybe you didn't hear me. I, I want to preach this one over here, God. It's the first time my church family gets to hear me preach. And he said, no, you're going to preach this one over here. I said, okay, well, I'll pray about it. So, so we came to prayer Monday night. And for those of you who made it to prayer, you know that the pastor called everyone up front at the end. Um, he called us all up front. And he called out something very specific, something to deal with weariness. And I said, okay, God. I said, that's the message that you want me to preach. So I'll preach this one over here. And then to top it all off, the pastor opened up his Bible and read the very first scripture to this message over here that God wants me to preach tonight. So I'm saying all of that to say this. If you're here tonight, it's not by accident. It's not by chance. And it's definitely not by mistake. God has a word for us tonight, and we're going to jump on into it. If you could turn your Bibles to Isaiah 40 and 28. Isaiah 40 and 28. Glad to have my parents here tonight. They, they made a lengthy drive to hear their favorite son preach. So, 
It's always a blessing when your family's in church with you. Isaiah 40 and 28 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not, neither is weary. There is no searching his understanding. There is no searching God's understanding. God, I ask you right now to anoint this congregation. Lord, anoint my voice as I convey your words to your people. I thank you, Lord, for the things that you have already done in this service and the things that you are about to do. I give you all of the honor and the glory and the praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, amen. You you can be seated. The title of my message tonight is, is Don't Cut the Strings, and, and you might not understand it right off the bat, but if you bear with me, we'll go somewhere with it. We're going to talk about Daniel for a second, if, if the brother can throw that scripture up there for me. Now, Daniel has just came off his 21-day fast, and the scripture we're about to read, his, his 21-day fast, people. Some of us get a little irritable if, if we miss a late lunch, like, you know what I mean? So... <laughs> He just came off a 21-day fast, and God's given Daniel a vision. And it says, in the, year of, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called, we're going to go with Mr. B. <laughs> was called Mr. B. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. The thing God told Daniel was true, but the time appointed was long. This is important in our prayer and spiritual warfare, that sometimes when God speaks something to us that is absolutely true, but is absolutely contrary to the timetable that we would prefer. The Bible says that there is no searching God's understanding. So just because we don't understand it right away doesn't mean that it won't happen or that God won't keep the promise that he has given you. Sometimes we can have a promise, but at the same time be going through what feels like a never-ending storm or an overwhelming attack so strong from the enemy that we start trying to figure out when exactly God's going to step in and save the entire day. So we go to our Bibles and we start to look for verses to encourage us or we call a friend and get them to tell us that it's going to be okay. But at the end of the day, you might still find yourself smack in the middle of what seems to be the hardest thing that you've ever had to go through in your life. You might be at a place where it feels like you're completely alone. And when you're trying to pray, you feel as you'd have more success talking to a brick wall. You could be at a place that you've prayed and you've fasted and you've sat there and you've wondered why. Why, God, has this ended yet? Why am I still here, God? Or how much longer will this pain last? And still no answer from God. But you made up in your mind a long time ago that no matter what you don't understand, you've read this Bible enough for you in your life that you know that you're going to go to church anyway because you know to get the promise that you want, you have to continue on. So you continue to pray and you start to fast and you're, you're doing everything that you're supposed to and you're interceding for other people and you're going to the church services, you're worshiping, you're doing everything right. But in the back of your mind, you're still wondering why God hasn't came through for me yet. It's times like these that we need to remember what Isaiah wrote 
and what Daniel was reminded. That, that we don't understand everything God has us go through, but the things he has promised us is still true, even though God's timetable is different from ours. But if we're not careful, we can spiritually and emotionally dig ourselves into a pit with what seems to be no way out right here. And if we're not careful, your promise can become your burden. You can be so obsessed with a promise that God has given you that we're consistently looking for it to happen. And each time it doesn't happen on the time that we've appointed, we get discouraged. And then we come to church anyway, and the man of God gets up here, and he he preaches a word that helps you. So you come up front, and you throw your head down on the altar, and you beg God for some kind of sign just to get you through the mess that your life is in. Then about that time, God sends someone or he tells you himself. And in these seasons of our life, it's always something really short and simple. It's always something simple like, like I'll take care of you, God's saying. I'll take care of you or you'll be okay or don't worry about it. Or trust me or I'll deliver you. And then we ball our eyes out at the altar and we thank God for hearing us and giving us something to just hold on to that will spiritually pull us out of the spiritual and emotional pit that we have found ourselves in for so long only to walk straight out the door, get in our cars, and question everything. God, I know you said that you would help me, but how? Or, God, I know you said that you would deliver me, but, but when? God, I know you said that you would heal me, but the doctor said that there's no hope. And before we know it, we're trying to figure out God's perfect plan, which, remember, only he understands. Because, remember, there's no searching his understanding, and we can't decipher his plan, and we start doubting ourselves. And the word that he just gave us, before we know it, we start walking right back into the pit we just pulled ourselves out of 30 minutes ago. That's why when Paul and Timothy wrote to the Philippians, and this verse of Scripture has been preached multiple times in this church over the past couple months, and it's become one of my favorites. But it just simply says, if he could throw it up there for me, Philippians 4 and 6 says, Be careful of nothing, which basically means don't worry about it and don't be anxious about it. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known, known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, I really like that word all right there, that passeth all understanding shall keep your heart and your minds through Jesus Christ. See, God doesn't always give us a play-by-play booklet. And if he did, I would really have to stop myself from trying to buy one. And if you were like, Wendell, what's a play-by-play booklet? And you know, it's the kind of, it's the kind of booklet that, where God says, okay, Abraham, um, you know, I'm, I'm not really going to have you kill your precious son that you love so much. Uh, I'm just trying to see if you love me enough to obey me. Um, But just before you drive the dagger through your son's heart, there's going to be a ram that you'll hear. You can sacrifice that instead. Sound good? Good. So, unfortunately, we do not get those play-by-play booklets in life. Lord doesn't give them for for Mary. And and God says, Mary, don't worry about your brother Lazarus. He's, He's just asleep. He had a big lunch. And He's just taking a nap. He's not dead. God just simply wants Mary to trust him. And let's, let's chase a rabbit trail real fast. Trust and faith are two different things. Faith is believing that Lazarus will be okay. Trust is watching him die and knowing that it will be okay anyway. 
See, when God simply asks us to have faith that your promises will come and you trust, hello. When God simply asks us to have faith that your promises will come and to trust that your healing will fall over your body, and if he doesn't explain anything, that doesn't mean he's hung you out to dry. See, we humans, we have a problem. We have a problem with faith. When we ask God to fix something or to bring us out of the battle of the storm we've been in for what feels like forever, we look and expect him to sit down and walk us through exactly how he's going to fix it. That's not faith, it's knowledge. We humans, we want knowledge, but God tells us to have faith. So just because God doesn't explain how and when he's going to fix everything in detail does not mean that he's not going to take care of you. Thank you, Jesus. It doesn't mean, that's the whole point I'm trying to get across to you tonight, that it doesn't mean that he's not going to give you the answers that you so desperately looked for. It doesn't mean that he won't honor your fasting and give you the desires of your heart. It doesn't mean that he's ignored your cry in the middle of the night and decided not to do anything about your sickness. It just simply means he wants you to trust and have faith and not give up because there will be a ram at the top of the mountain you're climbing. Galatians 6 and 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall re-reap. Weep, re-reap, reap. I, I can't see it. <laughs> we shall reap, there we go, if we faint not. 1 Corinthians 9 and 24 says, Now ye not that they which run in a race all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And that's just a really confusing way of saying, finish the race and you'll get a prize at the end. See the, but there, see, there's a, there's a whole other side to all of this. See, while, while we're just trying to focus on getting through the storm, on the backside of everything, the enemy is back there. And see, the enemy will always attack the hardest at the very end. He might try to slip and trip you up during the first part of the race, but it's when you push and when you stand your ground and when you keep climbing and when you keep praying and fasting and chasing after God and interceding for other people and when you're finally nearing the finish line of the storm, that's when the enemy puts everything at his disposal to snatch your victory away at the last second. And some of you in here tonight, and I prayed about this, and some of you in here tonight, y'all are... You are at this point of your storm. You're not at the beginning. You're not in the middle. But you're at the very end. Where you can feel the breakthrough and you can see the clouds starting to break. And you know the answer to your prayer is just around the next bend of the road. And you're praising God for the victory. You're worshiping God. That the finish line is finally in sight. Then you start to get excited in the spirit, and you feel as though nothing can stop you now. And then what seems like out of nowhere, you get an overwhelming attack that puts you on your knees just as you're about to step over the finish line. And it's here that we're at our emotional lowest. It's here you tell God, I'm done. I can't take another step. The tank is empty. I'm sick of trying. I'm finished. God wants you to know tonight that just because you're emotionally devastated does not mean that you are spiritually devastated. 2 Corinthians 4 and 8 says, it says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. 
I've got one last story, and then I'm going to open up the altars. There's a story of two boxers in the 1960s. I think it was 1964. One by the name of Cassius Clay. The other goes by the name of Sonny Liston. Sonny Liston was a giant of a man. He had won every victory in his career by knockout in the first round. Cassius Clay was this young kid. He had really light feet and fists like sledgehammers. And he said, I can, he said, I can, I can fight with Sonny. So they put him up, and the media at the time called it the fight of the century, the classic David versus Goliath. And the fighters, the, they touched gloves in the middle of the ring, and they started to fight. But before they fought, Sonny Liston promised the crowd, he said, I'm going to knock this kid out within the first round. So I'm going to knock him out in the first round like I have every other one of my opponents. And Clay said, that's not going to happen. I'll at least survive three rounds. I might not win, but I'm going to at least go three rounds with Sonny Liston, who earned the nickname the most dangerous man in the world. So they start to fight. The first round goes. There was several punches exchanged, and you can imagine how a boxing match goes. And the bell rang, and both people were standing. Sonny Liston didn't deliver on his promise. Clay was well on his way to delivering his. The bell rang, and it was the second round. The second round goes this one. The fighters gave it everything they had in the first round, so they were getting tired. So they wasn't as fast, but it was, it was, it was starting to turn into a bloodbath. It was just a, it was just a slugfest. They just started going at each other with everything they had to knock each other out. And the second round ended, and then the third round started, and then the third round ended, and Cassius Clay came through with his end of the deal. He said, "Hey, I went three rounds with the most dangerous man in the world." And his coach said, listen, buddy, he said, you might have went three rounds, he said, but the fight's not over yet. He said, you got to get back out there and finish. So the fourth round happened, and 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 then the fifth round, and then the sixth round. The two, the, the fight of the century that was only supposed to last one round went six rounds, five rounds longer than what anybody anticipated. Clay was a seven to one underdog. And here he is hanging with the biggest and baddest boxer in the history of the sport. But by this point, at the end of the sixth round, the bell rang and both the fighters collapsed in their corners. And by this point, they're, they're pure exhausted. They can't, they, their knees are wobbling. They can't, their shoulders are slouched. They can't even hardly stand up. And Clay looks at his coach and he's sitting there with his arms rested up on the on the strings and he goes or on the side of the boxing ring and he goes coach he said I gave it all that I could give it he said I'm done he said throw in the towel he said I quit he said I earned my end of the deal he said but I'm done coach and his coach slapped him and he said listen to me Clay he said you're not done look at Sonny over there he's just as bad shape as you are he said he needs one more punch if you can give him one more punch you can knock him out And you can earn the title of the most baddest boxer in all of history. And Clay pushed up on on the sides of the ring. He goes, Coach, he said, I can hardly breathe. 
He said, how am I supposed to go out there and make one more punt? And his coach said, you're not listening to me, Clay. He said, I have it woke you up every morning and trained you every day for X amount of years for you to give up here at the last second. And Clay said, coach, he said, I'm done. He said, you're not hearing me, so I can't stand up. He said, coach, cut the strings. He said, I'm done. In boxing, they have to lace the boxing gloves up. He said, coach, cut the strings. He said, I'm throwing the towel. And then the bell rang, and his coach, not taking no for an answer, picked Clay up between his arms, and he shoved him out in the middle of the ring. Clay's standing there with a, like a newborn deer with his shoulders hunched over. He musters up enough strength to look up, and when he does, he sees a towel fall at his feet. Sonny Liston threw in the towel. Clay won the fight he wasn't supposed to. And that's where some of you are at tonight. You're that close to the victory. You're one more step away. You're one more cry. You're one more prayer from having everything that you've ever asked God to help you with. If you related to any of the words I said tonight, if we could find a place to pray and just simply say, God, I might not understand it, but I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to cut the strings this close to the end. I'm not going to throw in the towel right here at the very last second. Thank you, Jesus.
You know, sometimes the Lord gives us strength through one another. So I wonder if we could just, just for a couple more minutes right now, could we find someone to pray with? Could you link up with someone? We, we got a couple more minutes. They might need your prayer of faith tonight. Why don't we feed off of each other's faith? Why don't we be strength for one another tonight? Come on, the Lord gave us each other to be strength, to be a help, to have faith for one another, to intercede for one another. Pray for that strength, that endurance tonight. Pray for each other. said tonight is true that sometimes it seems like it's the hardest and maybe there's the most resistance when you're the closest to your breakthrough to your promise to where you feel like God is is gonna open this door when they had to march around the walls of Jericho it was a promise God said I'm giving you Jericho I'm giving you this city. He said, go take it. It's yours. Before the walls ever came down, he said, go take it. It's yours. And they had to walk around those walls. But the last time they had to walk, they had to walk around seven times. They had to do more at the end. They had to do more right before the victory. They had to press harder right before the breakthrough. Right before the walls came down is when there was the most resistance, when they were the most tired, when they, when they were the, their legs were the most sore. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Because some of you, there's always going to be another trial. There's always going to be another test, some harder than others, some valleys lower than others, but God is always with us. But tonight, I believe that there's people 
that you're right on the verge of those walls falling in your life. And that's why you feel so tired. And that's why you feel so much resistance. And that's why you feel like you got to do more than what you've done before. But it's because you're on them seven laps and the wall's about to come down. Because God's already said, this is yours. The victory is yours. It belongs to you. It's a promise. It's forever settled. So don't don't get weary in well-doing. I feel victory in this place tonight. And I know that that was a word from heaven for us. As individuals, as a church body, that was a word from heaven tonight. Wendell, thank you for obeying the leading of the Spirit tonight. That was anointed. And so tonight, as you walk out of this place, if you feel tired, just let the joy of the Lord be your strength, like the Bible says. And know, this promise is, it already belongs to me. It's mine. So hold your head up, amen? Got the victory, amen? And we're going to make it together, amen? Amen. We're going to see everything that God's got for us. As individuals, as a church, I believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. Shake hands, be friendly, be sure to reach out to someone you didn't see here tonight. Those that are sick, reach out to them. It'll do them good. God bless you. I love you. Be dismissed in Jesus' name.